Welcome to Roadcase, the podcast that explores the live music experience. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Josh Rosenberg, and I'll be taking you on a journey through in-depth interviews with performers and key people in the industry to explore the magic of live music, how it can be totally transformative for both fans and performers, and we'll look at how they take it all out on the road. It's going to be a great ride, so here we go. Hey, welcome back to Roadcase, everybody. This is your host, Josh Rosenberg. I am so psyched to be here for this special episode with Larry Campbell and Teresa Williams. Just a wonderful couple, and I really enjoyed talking to them. I know that you will as well. So glad you're here, and I really appreciate your support, and thanks for being here with Roadcase with me for this really special episode. There's a number of different ways that you can get involved in the Roadcase community. Really quick and easy way is to follow us on the socials. We're at Roadcase Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can find out more information about Roadcase on our website, www.roadcasepod.com. Another great way to keep in touch with the show, you can fire me a question or a comment or concern, and I'm going to start reading these on air. So if you want to be on the air, uh, send me your question and I'll answer it here and uh, we'll have a really good time with that. Uh, we're at info at roadcasepod.com. So if something comes across your mind, send away, just type it away and, uh, and I'll be here for you. Another great way to support Roadcase is to subscribe to Roadcase on your favorite listening platform. If you're on Spotify, that little box that says follow, it's as easy as just clicking on that on Apple Podcasts, another popular uh, listening platform. There's a check mark up in the upper right-hand corner. Just click that. Doing so on those platforms and other platforms will allow you to receive updates when new episodes come into the world. It's a great way to keep in touch with Roadcase. And while you're there, if you can rate and review Roadcase, that would be really awesome, really helps out the show. It's quick and easy to do. On Spotify, just underneath that follow box I just mentioned, there's a box with a couple stars. Just click on that. It's as easy as that on Apple Podcasts. Scroll up a little bit. You'll see some stars and a place to review the show. Uh, just click on a bunch of those stars and, and write a review. Really appreciate your help. Thanks so much for doing that. And I'm really happy to have Larry Campbell and Teresa Williams. Larry is an amazing and striking multi-instrumentalist. He plays just about anything with strings. Grew up in New York City, coming up in the city in the 70s and 80s. He was a guitarist in Bob Dylan's band for many years and then was the musical director at Levon Helms Barn in Woodstock, New York. And he's also a noted producer who's produced um, many albums, most notably the Levon Helms' final two albums, uh, Dirt Farmer and Electric Dirt, both that won Grammys. He also produced uh, David Bromberg records, most notably David Bromberg's most recent album, Big Road. Uh, Teresa grew up in Tennessee. She's an accomplished vocalist, moved to New York City to pursue acting and singing and is a very accomplished backing vocalist who worked with such names as Mavis Staples, Emmylou Harris, Hot Tuna, Jackson Brown, Phil Lesh, and Bobby Weir. This is an amazing power couple, and they have a new album out live 
at Levon's, and it is absolutely wonderful. Came out in early February. They've spent so much time at Levon's barn in Woodstock, New York. They split their time between Woodstock and Teresa's home of Tennessee, and it's just a really special place to hear music and a special place to be for both of them. And this album is a special effort for the two of them who have been producing music together for uh, the last several years. And it's just really inspiring and beautiful that this amazing married couple is now together, producing albums together, traveling together, and performing together. And we'll learn all about that. We talk about their touring, uh, what it's like as a married couple to finally be able to do that together, among other things, and what that has meant throughout the years and their various experiences. And they're just a super delightful couple. It was just a really great conversation. You will absolutely go way with a new understanding of these two and a real huge love for them. They're currently on tour, finishing up uh, a significant tour that they've been on uh, from February uh, into a little bit of, uh, into a bunch of March and into April. You can find out more information about their tour dates at their website, LarryAndTeresa.com. Uh, just wonderful people. I know you'll really love this episode. Thanks so much for being here. And I want to send a big special thank you and big hugs to Larry Campbell and Teresa Williams for being here on this episode of Road Case. And here we go. I just have a lot of various backstage photos of, of you know, the road cases. Yeah, aren't road cases kind of... Um, well, let's get started anyway. Thanks for being on the show, you guys. It's so great to see you both, Larry, Teresa. It's such a, such a, such a pleasure to, to be here talking with you. Um, yeah, road cases are just evocative of live music, right? What else really... I mean, besides like a guitar on a stand. I mean, there's other things, right? But it's really about the travel. It's about live music. And they're always kind of like beat up and old and have stickers on them and, you know... Right, yeah. you were saying, Teresa, yeah. like you have picture. You you take like pick. Why do you take the pictures of the road cases and such? I don't know. I guess it's everything that you're saying. I just felt I felt compelled to do it. I still will every now and then backstage. Yeah, yeah. The, there's something about it. I don't know. I, I you know, agree. Yeah, you see them rolling around, and they they. I think you know. For me, it speaks of live music and 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 that we're it's a traveling venture you know these are cases with belongings or you know gear that are have wheels on them and that's what it really is we're moving from place to place you know whether it's got wheels or and it's sometimes not so easy right <laughs> i mean you know you guys travel around let's go let's talk about that like all right so you're in jacksonville beginning this tour for um uh you know you're playing your recent release live at Levon's and we'll talk a bunch about that but what is what does traveling and live music mean to you and Larry you've had a lot to say about live music and the importance of it but there's also the travel aspect of it and being out there and what is it what is it like let's just get right into it. like what is it like for you guys to be out on the road now and doing this at at this time in your lives you know the 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 actual logistics of traveling it um uh that's the hardship you know that's that's the thing that that's the work on the road you know everything else is the joy 
of it, mm. you know, because that all leads to the performance. Well, the traveling to me would not be as bad as just if you, you know, uh, at our stage of the game, age not considered, mm -hmm. uh, you can't do it in a way that you can get sleep, exercise, rest, the right food. You just can't. It's impossible. Yeah. So that's the only. I like to travel. Uh, I, but it, but the relentlessness of the schedule. Yeah, yeah. Is the hard part. Did and you say that you? Part of it is fun, and part of it is just brutally exhausting. <laughs> yeah. Did you say yeah. that? You did you say apart from your age? I mean, you can't. Can you really separate it out? Because d does it get harder as you get older? Well, we're doing what you know you should do when you're twenty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and have been doing since we were twenty. Yeah, exactly, so, exactly. Um, yeah, it, it does get harder. It does get harder because you get. I mean, like Teresa said, it's the rest thing. You know that becomes more imperative, and and um, and every day is some sort of upheaval. You know, and um, um, you you get in the hotel, you unpack all your stuff. Um, then next day you got to pack it all up again and load it and then get to the venue and, yeah. and set it up and play and then go to the next hotel unpack load it, what, load it load it in load yeah. it out yeah. load it in load it out right yeah and it, i you know i travel like liz taylor if, if anybody's young enough to remember liz taylor <laughs> and you not travel like patty smith I want to travel like Patty Smith. And in her book, she talks about, I grabbed my toothbrush and my backpack and I was off. And I'm yeah. like, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> You're either extremely not vain or just I love forgetful. Patty. I want to be Patty Smith and I'm so the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I want to be that person that like, like can just throw stuff in a bag and not care. I mean, I'm kind of. not even have a bag. Just walk out the door, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what I need. As far as travel's concerned, I mean, if you just kind of try, I, I think to myself, okay, this time I'm, this is going to be different. This time, this trip is going to be different. I'm just going to throw a couple things in <laughs> and see what happens. Yeah. It's, you know, you know what? It works out, but that's different. I'm not performing. I don't have stage yeah, clothes true. and I don't have every, everything that, that I need, that but I need to consider. Also, I'm like, speaking of our age, we didn't really plan, like, when we first got married, Larry's sister-in-law, who's an excellent organizer and planner, she uh, said, looked at us and said, so what's your five-year plan? And we were like, what? Five-year <laughs> 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 plan? Our five-year plan is uh, Larry's plan music, and I don't know what I was doing. And, yeah, uh, yeah we were just, uh, hey, we're just stepping out. And now you realize, oh, people actually plan for having aging parents. They planned like, oh, we need to live closer to them. Yeah. We need to make it have a strategic no. So our plan is that I'm just Larry produces records for other people so I can be home with my parents, my yeah. mother. Now I'm down to my mother. Mm -hmm. And uh so as far as taking things with you, things are in half of my stuff is in Tennessee, half is in Woodstock, and half is in your road case and your gig case. Right. So I said to Larry this morning, it's amazing. I even have my skin off. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys did set that up nicely where you have a place in Woodstock and you have a place in, 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 ten in Tennessee also. Yeah. Uh -huh. Well, yeah. yeah, I'm from there, you know, in yeah, my yeah. whole family. 
yeah. down there. So uh, I'm, I just want to be there. I yeah. don't want to lose any more time with them. So right. he makes me come home, come, come home to Woodstock, call that home. I call it Tennessee home. Yeah. He makes, I go back when he makes me go back to work. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, your parents are still around, Teresa? Both of them? I lost my dad. Uh, well, during the pandemic, he was in the, uh, last couple of years of Alzheimer's. So uh, mm. it had us off the road, the pandemic. So I was able to um, be down there with him and help when we really, we were able to keep him home. Yeah. And it was a full on, full, full time job. And I'm grateful. But then we lost him uh, in January a year ago. And so now I'm trying to be there to help my mom ease into this new experience for her. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry about that. I lost my dad during uh, during that time as well. He went in his own time in his own way at home in his own room and we were all there. So that's, that's life. Yeah. Yeah. That's we should all be so lucky. (laughs) Right. I was going to say, if you have to go, that's, yeah. Well, I mean, mean, if you have to go, when you go, when you go, that's, that's, that's the best. That's the best scenario. It's good that you can that you're uh, that you were able to be there. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this must be really meaningful for you to be um, to put out this live at Levon album with all the the history that you have there and be able to do that as a as a couple. Um, can you contextualize it in terms of time? Like this, um, the album, Larry, was that. Was that recorded pre-pandemic and now um, during the pandemic you produced it and put it out? Or how, l- explain to me a little bit how that went down. Yeah, we did it um, in 2019, fall of 2019, and um, uh, with the with the idea that we would put it out um, the following spring. Mm-hmm. And, but we all know what happened in 2020, you yeah. know, and um, uh, that just shut everything down, and there was no. We couldn't get on the road to promote it, and 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 initially we thought we wouldn't even uh, we wouldn't even promote it. It was just something to sell as a placeholder while we were touring before we got the next studio record done. Mm-hmm. And um, but it turned into um, you know when we when we signed this deal with uh, Kevin Calibro at uh, Royal Potato Family Records, he was. Yeah. Um, he was really enthused about promoting it and, and he's done a great job, you know, so mm-hmm. it's turned into a much bigger record than we thought it was going to be. Yeah. But the, um, but we couldn't really release it until now because we weren't going to be on the road. So, uh, now we're going out a lot this year. So, so it's out now and it's, it, um, I don't think it suffered at all for the, uh, the time lag there, you know, it's still, um, uh, that show was that show, and it's and it's reflected very well on the record. Talk about can you talk about what the magic at the barn is for for you both? I mean, it's a, it's a it's a really special place, and you've talked about how so much magic has happened within those walls. Can you talk about what that means to you? When when Mark McKenna, our manager, first suggested that we do the live record, it was it was an immediate no brainer where we should do it. You know, because. Yeah. Um, uh, that room, Levon's barn, is is yeah, it's magic, and it's um, it's sort of intangible how why it's magic. You know, it, it's um, uh, you can it's 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 easy to assume that it's just Levon's spirit that makes it magic in there. You know, mm-hmm. which um, uh, I mean, and his whole intent for creating the place to begin with was what it is now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just a yeah. just a place, uh, a kind of 
refuge where where good music is played for the joy of making good music and and no other real like there's no there's no posing going on there there's no artifice there's no um uh uh uh, there's no separation between artist and audience. You know, they're there. You you walk in there as an audience member, and and um, and you just sort of feel like you're in this with with the artist that's performing. You know, we're, we're all in it together, and um, uh, and it's a communal experience rather than yeah. we're up here doing this for you, and and you're up there to absorb it. You know. Um, um, it's we're all we put this out from the stage and they put they throw it right back at us and we throw it right back at them and throw it right back at us you know it's yeah it's, it's i mean it, the physicality and the physics of that room have a lot to do with it um mm-hmm. but, you know we made some great sounding records in that room when it when it was a recording studio and and um uh but it, it's um it's really uh Levon's intent is true he's a says and and uh, uh and his spirit in there that just it gives it this beauty you know yeah making it all wood and did you say that uh you said there's he would go on that there's no nails in it it's all um yeah you say it the schultz it's all pegs yeah the schultz family built that barn and uh well they, we call it the barn you know his his home is in there as well as the studio side yeah but uh just his whole intent with the whole thing well what's the whole um, no nails he, thing he, Pardon? What's the whole no nails thing? Yeah, he was real <laughs> proud that... of that. There wasn't a metal nail in the whole place. All the wood, <laughs> all the wood was put together by pegs, by oh. wooden pegs. Oh, old okay. style, old school yeah, style. Yeah, yeah. is yeah, that old school? Is... That sounds like really sophisticated. And I don't know anything about carpentry, <laughs> but maybe there's some sort of musical, like the the electric current doesn't bounce off the wood the way because there's no metal in it. No. Sounds right. like a good story, yeah. though. I can sell that. Yeah, I mean, that, he was convinced of that that there was that 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 was what where, where the magic came from. The fact that there wasn't a bit of metal in the walls. Yeah, well, it's clearly a special that place. Story, that Go- story of his dad coming up from Arkansas when he was building it, and and I was like, you know, what do you think? What do you think? And he said, I think you're trying to. Uh, uh, killed too big of a hog with too little a knife. Like it was, it, you know, it's a big undertaking. And and Levon just went out on the limb and just he had this vision and he did it anyway. I'm sure he couldn't afford it, and and just did it anyway. And right. and and now it is what he wanted to be. And the time we had in there with him, the creative space that he gave all of us uh, room to just really uh, bring your bring 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 your ideas and yourself and that he just opened that up for everybody um mm-hmm. who was working with him so the years we had there we got the vinyl we had the vinyl in our hands for the first time this morning because it got stuck in the ice storm somewhere but anyway it arrived yeah. and and i said larry i'm really grateful that our manager suggested this because it's like this kind of like at the end of a good novel, the epilogue, you know, <laughs> right. uh, of our time there. I'm, it's it's a sort of like destiny, movie. like brought made it like you guys, the two of you were going to produce an album that came out of the barn after everything you've been yeah, uh, in the Midnight Ramble band, Larry, that you were in it for so long, and Teresa, you were singing there and being part of that band and that and that environment for 
over 10 years, right? So Yeah, I mean, it's just a really, I'm, I'm really grateful that we have this new live at Levon's Records. It's perfect. Yeah, and to celebrate live music at this particular time seems also especially fitting because of the time that we're in, that yeah. we're, everyone's super hyper appreciative of live music. And I, that's going to go on, not that we weren't before, but now we know that it can be taken away for a variety of different yeah. reasons. Yeah, right. it's just so, right. out to yeah. the stage with a, a you know a lovely intimate venue with all of, you know it, that a lot of these places the audience is practically on the stage the way they were at Levon, and it just it's just a sweet thing. It's a, it's a very sweet thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, music music is about communication and connection at its at its base. You know, and and um, uh, after this time of um, of physical quarantine and separation yeah. you know the feeling that connection and communication is it's uh, it's um it's really rewarding right now more than it more than ever. more than it had been you've said some really great things about uh live performance and that energy that you feel and how you feel so comfortable up on stage larry and um i think i remember that you had said somewhere that even when the house lights block your view visually of the crowd out there, there's just something that knowing that you're in front of people playing and turning them on, but also being within yourself at that time, that's kind of your happy space. And that's, that's really where you belong. Can you that's expand exactly. on that? Or I, I, I said, well, same thing verbatim my whole life. I've said that. Yeah. 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 And, 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 that's the whole point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that, I mean, there are moments up there with, you know, both of us, we play with a lot of great artists in our careers and, and it's been wonderful with every one of them. But, but, but the thing now to be doing this, there are moments on that stage when it's just Therese and I, um, and this great audience and we're playing our music and, um, uh, something just hits me like, um, you know, what else would I want to be doing this moment in my life? And, uh, mm -hmm. uh that it's, it's sort of, uh, like, uh, my purpose for being here is just being fully realized, you know? I mean, even now, like that's, that's amazing. You still, you have that enthusiasm and you continue to have that enthusiasm and, and yeah, I mean, nothing it's, has it's really dimmed it. It's, it's, um, uh, uh, you know, you might not have the enthusiasm to get it up for the show every day before you do, but once you're up there doing it, yeah, it's, it's, I, I don't know. There's no better feeling that I've ever experienced, you know, when, yeah. when, it's us doing this together and doing what we love, uh, and, 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 um, and feeling the audience uh, absorbing it and getting it and 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 um and as i said before them throwing it right back to us you know that um i don't know it's, it's, and does that does that occur you're out on tour now does that occur for you night after night in in the different venues that you're playing in even today yeah <laughs> uh -huh. really it does yeah. i mean maybe to different degrees you know they're they're you're always gonna have worse nights and better nights you know yeah. um and uh, that's one of the great thing about live anything theater art music is uh 
you're a biological being. It's going to change every night. I was laughing again this morning and saying, I want them to do like they do on the golf channel, uh, <laughs> a running feed of say, just pick some play on Broadway and go, okay, the lead actor, his mother passed yesterday. Yeah. Let's see how that's going to affect his performance tonight. Right. The way they do the, like the quiet. I thought about doing that at live music, you know? Who would, just... think, who would think of doing it? It's hysterical. Nobody would ever do it. I just think it's hysterically funny. I think about I think about doing that too, getting the background, oh. understanding what that one performance is, what are the aspects yes. behind that performance also. It's like you, the people are in the audience watching the play or live music, Yeah. but in the background there's this other, you can watch on TV, this feed of... Um, of uh, what commentary, oil. yeah. Why don't we have why don't we have play more play by play for live music? You know, there's got to there's a, there's got to be millions of geeks like us out there for sure. I mean, you know, but however, the downside is that are all everyone talking in the audience all the time, and that I, I like to think that some people are talking about that, like what the intricacies are, but it's mostly just kind of beer fueled chatter sometimes. That I know that can be I know that can be frustrating. Only had two hours of sleep last night, and their bus broke down. Right. Let's see how Larry digs into this solo. Can he do it with all the stress of changing a flat tire last night? (laughs) Oh man. Okay. (laughs) Hey, speaking of changing a flat tire, when we were on the way home from the Little Feet uh, camp you know, fan fest thing that they would do in Jamaica every year. Yeah, yeah. We were like pulling pulling out of LaGuardia and the car started doing some horrible noise. And I mean, like the axle was broken horrible. Right. And Larry managed to get across four lanes of traffic, pulls into like this little area off of the Queens Boulevard, I don't, Queens, whatever. Yeah. And uh, he was, it was like 14 degrees or something. Oh. And he was under the car trying to figure out <laughs> the new car's uh, changer tire business. Yeah. And, and this car full of the Havarim group pulls up of young men. They whip out their power tools, change the tire for us, and we're on their way. I said, who oh, nice. are you? You're not triple A. Triple A hasn't come. They're like, no, we're this group, just pay it forward. I'm yeah, like, oh nice. Seriously, at like one in the morning, Larry's under the car in 14 degree weather, changing the tire with all the <laughs> gear having to be pulled out on the sidewalk, guitars and amps and things being pulled out on the sidewalk. Yes. You'd be surprised. And people say that New York is a tough town. And I just think it's like full right. of so many different people and so many with so many different attitudes. You can't categorize it. You'll always exactly. come upon somebody that wants to help. People just want to help other people. I think there's a there's a bigger a bigger picture there. Um, well, I watched a documentary on Amazon and uh, it's got some just wonderful stories. What how do you how do you I'm just curious, how do you both feel about that? And um you know what what impact did that have on you just having 10 episodes of your life out there can i just say what my mother to this day says yeah i would let them done that you what what'd she say that she wouldn't have let let them done that (laughs) i mean it's got to be a little hard but it really gave good insight and there were excellent interviews from every you know way too much about us you know way too much about us. yeah but you know it's impossible to have for us, for me anyway, to have any kind of objectivity about the the value of this thing, but yeah. except to say that Mark Moskowitz, the film director, did exactly what he said he was going to do, which was um, he 
he it's an honest completely honest depiction of who we are and mm. what we do you know yeah yeah so, it's uh, honest yeah um you guys so came out the, great, let me tell you. Teresa, you sound like you didn't really it, it was wonderful. It was absolutely no, wonderful. No, it's fine. I'm just I'm just being funny. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. No, yeah. It's good. It was good. And he was great. We we're really good friends with him. Yeah, I sense that. Day. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 again, it's not up it's not up to us to measure the the, the value of this thing. You know, we right. we we um, um we, we do what we do. And he got a really good picture of what that is, and and if that has some um, artistic or or any other kind of value for the um, for the consumer, then 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 that's a home run right there, you know. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Larry, can we talk about your? Um, I mean, you've had. Incredible amount of experience, and just by the way, I think you guys met at a, one of uh, your show, Teresa, at the Bottom Line, or somebody's show at the Bottom Line. I lived right around the corner from the Bottom Line, kind of around the late '80s time when I moved to New York to go to no grad kidding. school at NYU. I lived there was that dorm building right on um, yeah, 9th Street and 3rd Avenue that just had gone up there. I lived yeah. right there. Come to the Bottom Line from time to time. Um, wow. Saw David Bromberg there. John Hyatt, you know, all the, yeah. all the great classic artists. I mean, it was just such a treat to live n near that venue, but wow. I always have I was, great memories of the bottom line in the East village. I was so sad when it went away. I was yeah. just so sad. I know. What a great place. What a great place. The but, Lone Star, you were right there. The Lone Star was there. City yep. Limits was there. Yeah. 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 I'm CBGB was right there on, uh, right. you know, on Bowery, just like, and it's like a, Target outlet now or something. I don't know. Correct me if I'm John Varvatos or something like, which is fitting, I guess for Varvatos. But, um, you guys have done so many different things. Larry, you were in, um, Dylan's band, uh, from, uh, what is it? 97 to roughly 2004, uh, the never ending tour band. What was that like to be in Dylan's band from your perspective? Like, um, wow. Yeah. I mean, well, you talk, let's like just one small detail was that you talked about how you couldn't worry so much about what Dylan was thinking. And I'm paraphrasing. It was more about you were concerned about your own feelings, sort of what that was going to bring forth. Can you, can you talk about that a little bit if I've got that right? I'm well, not sure. Uh, you know, Bob is very mercurial. Right, you know, that's right. not that's anything you read about and you find that out, you know, so it let's was, just say from the top of this. Yeah the gift that we have in his talent and what he's given in music yeah, lyrics is that, absolutely absolutely 100 percent amazing gift yeah, for the uh, planet so. i mean he's one of the most um enigmatic um uh uh but i mean he's he's in the truest sense of the word an artist you know mm -hmm, there's, mm. there's does what he wants, uh, uh, what he wants in his style, and is always profound and has something incredibly important to say and says it well and gets criticized yeah. for um, doing different things, which artists got criticized for. Look at all the great artists right. in history. They're like, right. people tried to take the... him down. Like, what the fuck is he doing now? He's like, he's being himself, people. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm so glad to hear you exactly. say that. I you liked, uh, you know, like a Rolling Stone. Well, fuck you. Let's like, this is what he's doing now. This right. is that guy. Yeah, like, this is his and artistic he... expression. And um, I mean, it, it all gets summed up in the title of that, that old documentary, Don't Look Back, you know, mm -hmm. 
it does not, did not, and will not look back. It's right. always moving forward. Yeah. Oh, you know? And can I just throw in that Levon too? When we were doing the documentary with him, uh, yeah. ain't in it for my health. Mm-hmm. Great idol. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He, uh, I, I kept saying, why are they not going to Arkansas? How can they do a documentary about Levon and not physically go to Arkansas and get some shots of mm. the old place and you know where he grew up, seeing the midnight rambles. Uh, uh, shows and stuff as a kid, and and finally the director said he wants it to be going forward. forward he does thinking. not want to look back, and yeah. I was uh, that was priceless. Yeah. I, I got yeah. I, he wanted it to be moving forward. Yeah, who he was now and what he was doing now, and you know, sorry, back to Dylan. Yeah, I just want to interject that. But yeah, yeah, the thing with you. Bob was. Um, uh, you had to, um, you know, he was going to be, uh, it, what he was searching for was kind of different every day, you know? And, mm-hmm. and, um, my, my, um, what my goal was to just try to be the best musician I could be that for, um, th- that, set my standards for what my musicianship should be and mm. try to live up to those standards, you know? Mm. And, um, um, and, and that's kind of true for everything, a- anybody I'm working with, you know, I can't, I can't read what's in the mind of any artist I'm working with. You yeah. can get parameters for what they're trying to explain. And, and, um, uh, um, uh, and try to um, try to give them what they want if they can be specific about it. Yeah. But but um, uh, the the only thing that rings true is 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 you uh, living up to your own standards. Like if I felt like I was I was kind of um, lagging or 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 needed work in a particular style of guitar playing or fiddle playing or i mean this has been my whole life yeah you're the classic you're a classic side man you you want to play your own you want to add what you can add in the best way possible without necessarily being right and it's got to come up to the level of of what you expect of yourself that's all you can do is just do the best you can is what you're saying right yeah Yeah. were there times when it when he said something or wanted to direct the music in a way that was kind of intimidating a little bit at all but i I just i kind of don't see you being intimidated because you're such an accomplished musician i don't think it ever felt intimidating but there were communication issues you know he doesn't have a big a big um uh uh, for instance i would do i did some work with paul simon around that time too you know Mm -hmm. paul knows how to speak in musical language you know Uh yeah Uh uh-huh uh, and and and, and when he would want something, he'd explain it in a way that a musician understands. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Bob's Bob's um, uh, Bob's way of of trying to get something out of you was a different approach. You know, it wasn't because he didn't have that language. You know, the um, it was uh, more like a it, he was more feel based. Paul right. Simon was more. Um, theory based, you know, I heard yeah, Phil I mean, Lesh was, I heard, theory, you know, I heard Phil know. Lesh was like that 
quite a bit. Yeah, feels great. That feels he could great. not only is he out there in the jams and where you're actually really right. feeling it, yeah. but he could break yeah. it down to say why I'm doing this in exactly. musical theoretical language, right? It was like, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where I had heard that before as well. Yeah. yeah. So Bob yeah. would sort of give you a feel, and you you could replicate that. You could you you do your best to try to get what he was after, but a lot of times he wouldn't even know what he was after. He's just it's just a visceral thing for him. Which is that's your part of the the gift that yeah, we're talking about. Right. Unquantifiable, amazing gift. Right. Well, like a even like a rolling even like a Rolling Stone in the studio. I mean, I'm sure you guys know the story that they just kind of just showed up and just started playing and just like, it just right. rolls along and and have John Hyde talked about that too in the. Um, was it a Mississippi in the meantime? Uh, no, Memphis in the wow. meantime from uh, not slow burning, but the the prior uh, bring the family album, the opening track where yeah. they kind of didn't know it. I think like Nick Lowe, I think was on bass or some. Uh, they yeah. just that's why it's got that kind of let's we got to catch up to something else sort of organic feel, which I love. Right? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, I can yeah. imagine that. Yeah, the Dylan shows must have been like that, but um, yeah, and it, and 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 it's um. <sighs> That's it's it's in the moment artistry, you know. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, it, it's um, um, you you don't have time to find um, um. You don't have time to plan the next move. You right. just You just yeah. do the next move, and then, and that's that automatically is a visceral expression totally. of where you are at that moment. You know. Right. It's an organic process. It's not necessarily going to be exactly. No one wants to see. I mean, okay, I can't say no one wants to. See, we don't want to yeah. see something that it's exactly the same. And fans of, of this type of music, real music, don't want to see right. the same thing every yeah. day. Yeah. Obviously, like. Yeah. Because it's created by humans, living and breathing humans that are creating something on the fly. Biology. Yeah. Biology yes, exactly. It. Right. Yes. It's, it's, it's it, just, we're, you are a biological being and it's going to affect it. Right. You're going to hear it a different way a certain day and you're going to hear it and, and, and you're going to produce it and, and, and respond to it in a different way every day. And that's, that's right. and that's beautiful and wonderful, I think. And that's kind of the, that's a little bit of the magic of live music, isn't it? Yeah, you? sure. It's not yeah. AI, is it? <laughs> it's what? Oh no, no, it's not. Right. No, we can't engineer this. Thank God we can't. Uh, Thank we God. can't engineer this at all. Now I'm thinking about all kinds of different engineered music and and such. And yeah, we're not going to see you guys pushing buttons on a on and no, turning knobs anytime happen. soon. No. Thank God. No. I mean, no. um, and uh, it's official. Teresa will not. Let us use pitch correct on any of her vocals in the studio. She doesn't need so. pitch correct, does she? <laughs> so you could just slide up to that note, right, Teresa? If you sort of like don't get on it right away, right? You're this you you're an auto tune machine off. yourself. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waving my arms around so much here. I just knocked my mic off. Um, but that's the essence of being a sideman, isn't it? It's um, putting your own yeah. like. Having that level of expertise, so Larry, I do. I I want to ask you, um, how, when you were, what was your original? I, w- I want to go back to a little bit about when you were younger and how you picked up a variety of different instruments because you you play mandolin, uh, violin, a little bit of banjo, from what I understand, slide, obviously, guitar. Did I say guitar? <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, how, how did that come about in that development into different instruments? And did, was that a natural progression? Did you feel like it was something like, oh, I'm playing guitar. Well, I want to pick up the mandolin. I want to do the banjo. What did that all look like for you? Because you yeah, play... I mean, it really started with, you know, of course, any, any, yeah, 
anybody anybody from my generation, you gotta start February 9th, nineteen sixty four. The Ed Sullivan show. Right. The right. Beatles on the Ed Sullivan show. You know, that was the mm. big bang. The big bang. And it's undeniable. I mean, and literally the big bang, because for for those of us who really absorbed that impact, it was these guys sort of woke up. Uh, it's like that was the big band and, and all the universe started to expand. You know, the, um, um, I knew at that moment I wanted to be George Harrison. I knew it. And, um, <laughs> um, and, but from that, then you get these Beatle records and there would be a song on there by this guy, Chuck Berry, or a song on there by this guy, Buck Owens. And, and um, then, or, or other, you know, and they just start, finding out who these guys are. Then you find out this whole path to the blues from Chuck Berry, this whole path to country music from uh, Buck Owens, you know, and, yeah. and all this music. And there was so much great, fertile, creative music being done in the latter half of the 60s. Yeah. Um, and, well, I mean, they could go on forever about that. But basically what happened to me was I got as absorbed as I could in guitar from, I started playing around 66 and then, through the 60s, just all about guitar. And then I would start hearing um, uh, these other genres that were, you know, coming out of America, the Southern music of America, where all this other stuff was based on, all this rock and roll was based on, you know. Mm. And I got I got uh, uh, just completely mesmerized by the old blues guys, by the old-time fiddle players by the bluegrass guys, by the stone country music guys, George mm. Jones. And, and, um, and then, and then, you know, I heard um, the burrito brothers and yeah. what the birds were doing with this country crossover. Right, thing. Right, right, right. And um, um, I just, uh, I, I, I had to play these instruments. I had to find these instruments, a pedal steel guitar that, you know, J.D. Manis, those licks, and Lloyd Green on that Sweetheart of the Rodeo record. That, yeah, I love and, the record. And, of course, Sneaky Pete on the Burrito Brothers. You know. And then the fiddle playing that was going on in these bluegrass records. And the, and the mandolin and, and Bill Monroe and, and um, all this stuff, was it just wouldn't leave me alone. I had to find my way into um, uh, being able to communicate on these instruments. And um, But I also knew if I was going to do it, you don't dabble in it, you know, you put yourself into it, you know? And I mean, that's what I had. To do. I had a, I had a, uh, um, uh, I had to work my ass off really. To, to yeah. I can stuff. see that's an eight hour a day job trying to figure yeah, out five yeah, different instruments and being <laughs> really proficient at all with, with that level of attitude that you can't just dabble in. And, and you don't, I mean, you're proficient in all those instruments that you mentioned and all those, for those different influences. That's what makes you such an amazing sideman. And he is still up every morning before I'm even awake working on it. What's his main instrument right now, Teresa? I'm glad that I have a spy here, Larry. There's never a main instrument right now. It's just like one morning he's working on the fiddle, the next morning he's working on the mandolin. It's, yeah, he's just working on them all. Yeah. Always. Yeah, yeah. It's impressive. <laughs> I'm uh, his wife of many years, and it's still impressive. <laughs> is that what you set out to do was um, – I, I guess from before you started playing with um uh with Dylan in ninety seven, so 
um, during the 70s, 80s, you would play like country clubs or bluegrass clubs or whatnot in New York City. Is that kind of that how that progression started for you, Larry? Well, yeah, um, I, I went um, in the 70s. I was living in Jackson, Mississippi for a while. I, I, I went to, to California in the early 70s. And yeah. it's a, that's a whole long story. But I was ended up playing with I'd this, love to uh, hear about what you did, you did out there. Yeah, we can do, I'll, we I'll can do that another time. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to um, write that book? I'm playing with a singer named Ben Marney, who, um, um, and he opened a club in Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, mm-hmm. And, um, we were the house band there for, um, you know, that was a good couple of years. And, and, um, um, I came back to New York in the late seventies, just in the, the, the height of that urban cowboy craze that was yeah. going on. And there were country music bars all over Manhattan. You know, every other street had a had a bar with a mechanical bull in it. You know? <laughs> and um, um, so there was a lot of work for, and and jingles. You know, the studio thing was mm. was they were always looking for a pedal steel player or a fiddle or something like that. You know, interesting. How was that? Larry was stop shopping. Why hire three people when you can hire Larry Campbell? Right. There you go. How was that business for you? At the time uh, now, I have no idea. I, I, well, know, no, I mean, at the at the time, what was that like doing uh, like jingles and such? It was great. Every day, it'd be in the studio doing something, and then playing a gig somewhere at night, you know. And then, and I, then I did a Broadway show for a couple of years. Um, uh, Will Rogers Follies, and and um, where you were in the uh, orchestra with that? Yeah, uh-huh, yeah. Oh, yeah. interesting. Do that, and then uh, be recording um, during the day in the studio, and. Um, um, I mean, my goal at that time was to be a a studio, a New York City studio musician. That's what I wanted to be. That was my ambition. You know? Yeah. And uh, and it, it really wasn't until I met Teresa that that um, the that the seed of of the seed was planted that I could even become a songwriter or a singer or a front person for mm. uh, an act, you know? And oh, I what, what was that? With these bands and I would say, I just loved at the end of the night, he would do uh, a couple blues tunes or something himself. And they're like, why aren't you singing more? Cause it's really fun to hear <laughs> you do this like blues stuff. He yeah. just was in it. Uh, anyway, that so, was my take on it back so, then. So, Teresa, you... you and then you, he would say, I just never, I just, he said, I never thought of myself that way. I just never, Oh, interesting. You know. Yeah. That does bring the whole muse theory into into play, though. When Also, in that documentary, when you're joking about it, you know, you're just like, Larry calls me the muse, and you sing some song about uh, how bad your marriage is, or some, some funny thing, or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Right. I love that. Right. <laughs> yeah, I pull that the live sh- pull that out the live shows sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> that's just that's classic. That's that that's wonderful. No, but it's true. Uh, I, I I had you know we had this musical connection initially, as as he's mentioned before. We met on a, on one of her gigs at the bottom line. I was yeah. hired to be steel player. Yeah, and um, there was this immediate musical connection, and we our tastes are are always. Uh, in sync, you know, yeah. in music, mm. and, and, um, mm. and they would, you know, we just started singing together for the fun of it, you know, because this is cool, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, and then all of a sudden, um, 
you know, things and I, happen. I, as you see from the documentary, I grew up with that, just singing in the living room. Right. At yeah. Night. Yeah, of course. And, you know, yeah. and then and there was this issue where she was out on the road doing her thing. I was out on the road doing my thing. Mm -hmm. And we wouldn't, weren't seeing each other for a while. We weren't together, you know, and and um, uh yeah. After I left Bob's band and Teresa had just finished uh to set the record straight, yeah. I did not go on the road until I saw that Larry was not gonna stay home. And then I was like, Well, why am I sitting here? So I was like, Okay, I'll take a job, any job, anywhere, just get me out. <laughs> I'm yeah. not sitting here anymore. Yeah. So because he was out on the road so long, then I started going back out. So So you were able to get like get a job with the band that Larry was playing in essentially? No, this was not no. not again. Oh this my was god, started. he was out with like Cindy Lauper and Roseanne Cash and. Kate, well, yeah, uh, but I was asking because you were saying like playing. you wanted to go back on on the road together. Well, no. that's what that's... I never ever thought of us doing working together. It just was a non. I just it didn't enter my mind. To me, it was like husband and wife duos was very icky to me. It was <laughs> like very icky. Uh -huh. I don't know how to explain it. I don't know why. I have great respect for, you know, whoever, George and Tammy. Right. I, I'm grateful that we have their work together and anybody else like that. But it just, to me, it was icky. <laughs> I don't, no, no. I, I, look. So, says I'm the woman here. who's playing together with her husband since, <clears throat> doing albums since 2015 and just put out a new one. I right, tell no me. Okay, no so, so tell me, so tell me how that. How how that come? What, what year did you guys get married? Uh, eighty six. Yeah. In eighty six. Okay. Yeah. So I was doing theater, and I I I uh, right before he left, um, and I would do some music stuff too. I would do a jingle here and there, and uh, just 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 various things. And uh, uh, when I finished, when he finished the Bob contract, the Bob shows, uh, mm -hmm. when he left that tour. I was just about to come off of the Carter family, uh, uh, the, the original, Car the play about the original Carter family. And I played uh, AP Carter's wife, Sarah, in this play, which we did off and on for two, two, two and a half years. Um, so both of our things were ending about the same time. And that's when Larry kind of started us uh, doing a little gig here and there together, just right. a little stuff. And Amy heard one of those. I sit in with some of her old bandmates. Amy? Helm. Oh. Daughter, okay. And she called me to come up and help on the record and to and the Ramble song. Because I had, that's how I, that started. I, yeah. or at that point, Levon called me right after I left Bob's uh, band. Uh -huh. so, um, I heard you left Bob. Come on, let's go make some music now. Right, and, uh, right. Yeah, I saw that that kind of dovetailed quite nicely there, ending Bob yeah, and going it's, it's, into into yeah. Levon. And 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 you know, look, I'm a I'm a I'm a classically trained actor, and I thought I was going to come to New York and do Shakespeare, but and the <laughs> but but in on the I was always a singer, and I just happened to be able to sing. And there's more work for singers. Yeah. So that's that's kind of. That's what happened. I like to eat. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, when exactly. Don't we all? And you have and a and you, and you have an amazing voice. I mean, well, thank yeah, you. But yeah, I, we could I, do a music. There's I been musical versions. 
there's, there's been musical versions of Shakespeare in New York for sure. You know, we could. There, well, it's I not over yet. It. It's not over yet, <laughs> Teresa. <laughs> no, I just uh, I took the music for granted somehow, but at the same time that I loved uh, the acting, uh, like you know, serious acting. Mm -hmm. uh, I I I just loved it. Um, there's always the music bugging me over here yeah. that I need to be doing something with the music. At the same time, I took it for granted. And and like I said, I like to eat. So I kept getting pulled into music. Like, uh, so, so. Yeah. yeah. Well, you rode it's the horse in the, you, ro you rode the horse in the direction that it was going. And it was a good, not, I don't mean to say that Larry's the horse. I meant that, <laughs> that you just, you rode it in the direction that it was going. You know, you, you've got an incredible voice and you add so much and, those those it, it seems like that was what was happening and you went in the right direction yeah for sure yeah and it, you know it's first suit I, I i don't ever remember not singing it's like breathing so yeah uh, you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah so larry just to take it back to that to to when you guys um when teresa had talked to you about doing some solo work what was it like for you to kind of break out of that side man uh i mean you are a side man but at that point when you um uh, decided that you were going to do your own work. What did that feel like, and what was that sort of creative process for you to be out and and singing and putting yourself out there uh, on well, stage? Well, it happened really organically, you know. So, so, uh, so right after this, you know, Teresa's finished with her play. I'm finished with Dylan. We start working with Levon, and and that experience. What a great time that was. He. He wanted everybody to pitch in, you know, and, mm. and he treated it more like an ensemble. He enjoyed yeah. being the star. He was the draw, definitely. Yeah. But he loved the ensemble having five horns up there. And everybody in that band led their own, had their own band. Besides, yeah. You know, band leaders. There was a creme de la creme guys. And yeah. he, he couldn't sing all the time. So he needed us all to step up. Uh, yeah. And, and do our parts in the show uh, gave him a break vocally, and and it was um, it was an opportunity to take you know I was always I got I, when Teresa and I started singing together for the fun of it, I was getting this thing that I had never gotten before this satisfaction you know and, and this was an opportunity um, uh, with all this this great band behind us to start honing that stuff that we were singing mm. on the back of the yeah. bus on the Dylan tour, yeah, right. the band yeah. bus. Yeah. I would come yeah. out like yeah. I was, I would be in between contracts myself. So I, I would, I wouldn't get to go to like the cool places. Like when the band would go to Paris or something, I would just be in like <laughs> Podunk, Idaho, what, you know, when I could just go, when I could go to, to yeah. get to see my husband. Right. And right, we, right. At, at the time, Bucky Baxter was in the band and he was into all this kind of bluegrass and old time music. And we'd sit in the back of the bus with Bucky and Larry and the road manager, Mark Rutledge and, a box manager Kramer and uh, just, just enjoy like harmonizing and, and it, it was just really fun. Yeah. That, that's, yeah. that's, that's the place where we really started doing more too. Right. And then, and then this experience with Levon was just an opportunity every Saturday night to throw in some of these songs and, and get mm. Teresa and I as a duo up in front of an audience yeah and having to 
necessity. Yeah. Because he yeah. couldn't sing somehow. Yeah. Right, and right, right. Was, as I said, it was just organic. You know, it was it was right. It was it was just um um uh nothing forced and 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 um uh, it happened very naturally. And and then around um uh sometime in this middle uh in the middle of our, our tenure with Levon, we um we decided we'd go in and record a couple of tunes in the barn with Levon playing drums. And, mm-hmm. and that was the, um, we still have those rhythm tracks and a couple of them are on our first record and one's on our second record. Um, um, and we still have one or two more we may put out with him on drums, you know, and, and, and then after we lost Levon, it was, okay, are we going to do this thing? Let's do it. You know, yeah. cause what else are we going to do now? Right, we have, yeah repertoire we have i had started writing songs and and um more songs more songs yeah and (laughs) and and, um and and it 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 it, so your question was how did it feel it felt great it felt like this is what we can do this is what i want to do this is um what i'm capable of doing And, and it was a new door that i hadn't been opened me in the past well it's so cool that you hadn't necessarily done that before together in a formal sense on vinyl and then and now you're doing it now later in life and because it had been something that you'd always been thinking about doing and that's kind of really that's really exciting for me i get i get psyched about that that like doing something that you had always thought you wanted to do and and being able and having that kind of always in your back pocket a little bit and always sort of thinking about it i can't imagine that you hadn't really didn't know you wanted to do. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. That's well, you had the true. songs, but what, what, Teresa, what you're saying, you didn't know that you would mesh so well together in this type of Larry Campbell and Teresa Williams format? Is that what you're saying? Uh, well, no, I mean, no, it's, no, I just thought the husband and wife team was an icky process. Yeah, tell me about that but icky minute, thing. But, what did you think about that? The, what, 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 yeah, what, what, icky, what, what's your definition of icky? Distasteful. Distasteful, definitely. Uh, embarrassing. Uh, 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 cringeworthy. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about that. <laughs> but I know a lot of them that I respect and really like, but it just seemed like you. I don't yeah. know. I don't How, know. How's it, how's it, how's it feeling now? <laughs> oh, no, it's good. Yeah, it's yeah. amazing. It's amazing that we that we get to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I think it's great. And being I think separated it's great. for fifteen years, it's nice to be together. Yeah, nice and by together. separated, you mean just like by by being e- either of you being on the road in different places yeah. and doing stuff. Yeah. Man, you've been married the whole time, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, amazingly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, wow. You know, that's a feat in itself. Well, at yeah. what point? I know I put. He's the patience of Job, and he's very. He really, do, um, he really does. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's it's definitely Buddha. not Larry's fault if anything happens, right? <laughs> <laughs> I like this guy. <laughs> Well, I, I I pulled a quote from somewhere where you said touring is tough, but when you get to do it together, you know, so now you get to do it together, that solved a big part of the problem. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 um, uh, uh, the worst part of touring before was the separation. That was yeah. the worst part. Yeah. That's solved now. Yeah. Now it's all about, uh, you know, the, the, 
as as we began this uh, discussion here, for me, the, it's the logistical stuff that's d- difficult on the road, but we can deal with that. You know, we deal with it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's 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 we're wonderful. Together, we're both going through it, you know. So right, so, uh, right. It's a wonderful organic process. Stuff and we're sharing the the the, the, the hard stuff. There, yeah, I mean, the, the, the there's so many other scenarios that could have occurred. You guys could have played as a duo and then wanted to go out separately later on in life. Where would that? Where would you be then yeah. as a married couple? Yeah, that yeah. would suck. <laughs> yeah, this right. is this is wonderful to come together. And I'm I've been through it. I'm divorced i got three kids you know so i can i i appreciate when there's a relationship that seems to be working for where i'm at i mean everyone's everything's challenging okay i'm gonna put that seems i'm not gonna be, be too rosy about it i'm gonna be realistic but it's it's it, it appears to be working you appear to have an, a really nice relationship and that you're able to yeah. do this later on down the road this is it's the way it should happen let's it's say. great well also uh we didn't we kind of knew who we were i had just turned 32 when we were married and my mother even when i told her i was getting married i'd been kind of a runaway bride up until then (laughs) and my mother said when i told her we were getting married she said i'll believe it when i see it (laughs) (laughs) but it was we knew who we were and we'd been through uh we had neither of us had been married before but we've been through other relationships you know and i think that's a big part that helped us stay together too and uh and i just knew when i met him this was the one I, before we'd had a date months before we a year before we had a date mm. i knew it was him uh yeah. i don't know how to tell you i don't want to put weird thoughts in people's head but that was that for us for me that was the case it just it was imperative i wasn't looking to get married i wasn't looking for a husband uh and it happened when i was putting myself out on the limb doing that gig at the bottom line Mm-hmm. And uh, and then it became imperative to that we had to marry. That's how it felt. Yeah. And we didn't have kids. I mean, Larry's so married to his career, he was not interested in having kids. Yeah, which, you talked you about know, a little that a little bit that on the doctor. Broken up a lot of people right there. Yeah. Uh, but in hindsight, you know, we don't have dogs or pets. I have books and plants because we get, <laughs> right. and we don't have a we don't. I mean, we don't have kids or pets. We I have like books yeah. <laughs> because we're on the road all the time. Well, in the doc, you were a little bit emotional over that. Was that because you thought you, you know you, you're you're a maternal human loving person? You both really are. But that would have been cool. But it can't. It it just sometimes it's not in the cards. Yeah, that would have been. That would have been what it was, and we would have, and it would have been the greatest thing we ever did had we done it, you know. But this is the greatest thing we ever could have done. Yeah, that we're doing absolutely. Right now. So, absolutely. You know, and life falls out the way it yeah, falls out. Yeah. You get you get the cards you're given, yeah. and uh, you know, you do the best you can with that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, producing. Uh, so while you were in the working with Levon and Levon the the studios and um, with the in the Midnight Ramble band. Uh, you were able to produce Le- what ended up to be Levon's last two albums. Um, yeah. 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 That must have been uh, an amazing accomplishment. And those albums are incredible. And I want to put a nod to opening the last one with uh, with Tennessee Jed, which was cool. Yeah. Uh-huh. Was that really yeah. supposed to be like a returning the favor of the dead doing the weight so much? Just Well, no. I mean, it was that that never kind of came into my mind. It was just, we were working with Phil a bunch then, Teresa and I, and, and, um, and I thought, you know, we even did one tour where we were, we, Phil and Levon were on the same bill 
Yeah. And uh, we, we were playing with both bands. Yeah, that right. was yeah, oh, that cool, was cool. Yeah. But but I knew you know the band and the dead. There's a bridge there, obviously. Yeah. You know? yeah. And um and I was trying to just think of a song that uh, a Garcia Hunter tune that that would fit Levon and Tennessee Jed. Come on. Well, everyone's like, yeah. Levon is Tennessee Jazz. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. 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 <laughs> and, um, and, and he gave it everything I imagined he would give it, you know, when I, when I, when I, when I asked him to sing it and, um, um, it just, it just fit like a glove, you know? Yeah. And, um, um, uh, and, you know, that was my way of, of, of having a tangible bridge between the dead and the band. Mm. Mm. Well Well done, Larry. Yeah, it worked. Good job, Larry. Do you like producing? (laughs) What is it like for you when you put on the producing hat? You, you have so many. I love it. Um, it, it, It's, it's, uh, it's a creative outlet, you know, but it amazes me. (laughs) He's one of the people who can hear the finished product in his head and where each instrument is going to go. And some people he's producing, they can't hear all that. And they're like, but there's a hole here. Can't we just fill that up with, uh, I don't know, pedal steel? And Larry's like, no, because he already has, that's the whole first, you know, his whole, Interesting. he has the whole picture. And that astounds me that he can hold all of that in his Yeah, head. and communicate it well. We're go- going back to how Dylan... No, I appreciate you interjecting, Teresa. But now we're kind of going back to how Dylan would communicate or just how artists can communicate what the whole big picture is and, and how do you do that successfully. And you obviously have a yeah. secret for doing that, Larry. It's kind of like, like being yourself I, and understanding where you want to go. Yeah, and, you just got to be yourself, exactly. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And, and, and the job of a producer is to take the artist and, and try to understand what that artist's vision is and then realize it in ways that that artist is unable to visualize. Mm-hmm. Um, There's not enough distance. Yeah, the, because you've got to be the objective guy in the room, you know, where, where um, yeah. and that's a very rewarding experience when you hit that, you know, when you, when, um, when you get through with a, with a, um, when the artist brings you this raw song and then you help them turn it into this, molded um uh like you chip away all the marble and here's the statue you know yeah and, interesting um, uh it, it just feels great it feels great it's a real connection to that artist and and you feel like um you know it's a it's a creative outlet for me too it's um mm. uh, and and uh you know I could do that and nothing else for the rest of my life. That'd be great. But um, you love the live performance. I I I've said this before. If, if if I never produced another record and all we did was Larry and Teresa for the rest of my life, I I would sleep well every night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that said, you also produced David Bromberg's last album. Um, yeah, I did two of his. Yeah. Two of his, yeah. okay. Big Road was the was the one that was most recent, yeah. I think. Um, and I'm a, I'm a big David Bromberg fan from from way back and some of his early work in the early '70s. Uh, yeah. So 
two side men getting in a room, one producing the other. How how'd that go? I saw a little bit of the clip. Of, I guess it was one cut from um uh from one of the albums that you produced when you guys were just playing together, just standing apart with the the sound baffle in the middle. Yeah, yeah, that was deal. Both of us playing deal. Yeah, it was beautiful. Yeah. It was beautiful. Uh, David, what can I say, man? He's been yeah, he's been. He's been on my radar since the early seventies, and, right. and um, uh, uh, he's a dear friend, wonderful guy, totally unique and authentic in his own way, you know. And and uh, and he was one of the he was Americana before when Americana wasn't cool, you know. <laughs> yeah, he was. Uh, yeah, he was a guy that was always uncategorizable because uh, uh, he would he want to do a blue guy soon. He'd do a blue. Bluegrass tune. He wanted to do a big band swing tune. He'd do a big band swing tune. And some crazy idiosyncratic stuff like uh, Sharon, right? I mean, where where does that, like a side, a tune about a sideshow woman and make it totally campy, but on the other hand, have such incredible instrumental parts that you just were, it was jaw dropping. Yeah, yeah. And, and, And you get the feeling when he opens his mouth and plays a lick or something, he's just real. You know, he's just real and completely un, un um unfiltered uh, yeah unfiltered. <laughs> he's unfiltered that's for sure i saw him live he was <laughs> he's very unfiltered let's yeah, maybe too uh, unfiltered and he's very proud of it <laughs> yeah i bet he is he was really subdued <laughs> in the documentary but like yeah he uh-huh. he he would go off but his playing is just extraordinary it is yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I see you guys are both incredible multi-instrumentalists and it just absolutely blows me away that you can just pick up and, in, well, it, it looks like you're picking up an instrument and shredding <laughs> on it. Okay. Let's just say that from a, from, from a spectator per- perspective, it just looks, oh yeah, I'm just going to play this one and I'm just going to like kill it. <laughs> yeah. um, you said an amazing thing about live performance and I just wanted to talk about this before I, I let you go. And um, um, you talked about how uh, you said, I'll never forget the first time I experienced performing as a child. And I knew that my lot in life was set. The only reason I'm a singer is because of the indef- indefinable spark that happens with the giving and receiving your most intimate selves back and forth between the artist on stage and the audience there in the room. And I think that's so yeah. beautiful. Yeah, That's really kind of what the, the energy is. Talk to me about why that's important to you. I, I can't say more than just what you just read. That that sums it up. What is uh, what is what is that energy that you feel? Uh, it's that indefinable thing that that Moskowitz, Mark Moskowitz. That's the whole point of the documentary. It was the music. Yeah, was him trying to tease that out. And uh, as as the the documentary on Ron Carter, the famous jazz bass player. Uh, as he said in there, it's a mystery, and I don't really want to know what what it, about. I it just is, and I I don't really want to know what the magic is. It's just it's a mystery, and it, all I know it was like my calling. <laughs> it's my calling, and yeah. I remember the moment standing in the church when I was really little, when it just hit me like a ton of bricks. This is my lot in life. This is it. This is. This is it. Mm. Um, it's, uh, and that it's still true. If I step away from it, I may be living okay and doing okay in life, but I'm not living in that white hot truth. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a place that I want to be in 
And I think a lot of like great artists, uh, not including myself, of course, uh, but people that we all revere as great artists, they sacrifice a lot in their life to live in that white hot truth. And to me, that's the only reason. Why else are you breathing? You, you got to earn your breath on earth. And, and you know what your white hot truth is. If you're really paying attention, you know what it is. Yeah. And, and uh, people give up. I don't have kids, <laughs> you know. Right. Uh, and I'm not advising that. I, I would have if I, if, if I could have, if, if it had, you know, things had worked out right. But um, my goal in life is to live in that white hot truth space. The, your and own, which, which is, which is, which is your own you truth. There, say it again. It's your, that your own truth and your own truth is being up on your stage and playing. And yeah. you know what it is, but oh, yeah. it's scary sometimes because you do have to give up something sometimes to do that. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So <laughs> I, I missed my own brother's wedding one time when they 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 had a, a, a kind of a hurry not a hurried wedding they didn't have to get married but uh, you know I didn't get the word in time to mm. set up I could it's not like the thing where you can just walk off I mean you you, you right. uh, it affects a lot of people if you I missed my aunt's funeral because I was uh, on a tour that I couldn't get home in time and things yeah. you know you miss things but but. It's important to live your truth. So, okay, I'm going on too much about this. I'm no, sorry. you're not at all. It's about living living your own truth and living what you're finding that passion. And you, you're both lucky enough to find that passion early on. Um, but going through all the practical steps of, of executing that and accomplishing that in this and business. Acquiescing, acquiescing to it. That, that you giving yourself your, up, giving yourself up to it. Yeah. 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 And, that, that, that's and, what you have saying, to do. Okay. I'm going to forego blah, blah, blah to live in this space where I know I'm supposed to be, where you feel the, you know, the proverbial word flow, but that's really, that's it. That's the spot. Right. Larry. Yes, sir. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> that's, that's, you know, you gotta, um, as Teresa said, you know what your real truth is. You know, you know, you know what you need to be doing to be uh, to be the the existence to actually be the existence that you were put here to be. Mm. And um, somewhere inside of yourself, you know that we both found it out. Found out what that thing is very early in life, and never, never never even tempted to deviate from it. He never even attempt, attempted to deviate from it. And um, um, uh, that's, you know, it's, um, uh, that's regardless to where we get to with this thing that we're doing or the things that we've done, we can look at our lives as successful because we're able to do that. Yeah. As, as absolute success that that um, we've been able to live this way our whole I yeah I, I've not been as stalwart about it as Larry has in his life um, because I didn't want to give up some of the family thing and I uh, 
my family in Tennessee is always one foot there and one foot, you know, in New York. Right. I think Larry has sometimes uh, dragged me along in a way and knowing more what I needed, like that perspective, kind of knowing more of what uh, was important for me than you can let yourself do yourself. I'm not articulating this very well. Well, yeah, I mean, having responsibility to others and more. Larry, are are your parents at, not, no longer well, with Well, I lost them both. Um, uh, my mother in 2010 and my father in 2001. So. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, uh, and my brother at the same time, same year I lost my mother. So it's just me now. Not just me. I have wonderful nieces and nephews, you know, but, but, um, but yeah. Uh, they're gone um yeah. so it's um, i don't have that responsibility that she has right? yeah. and i hate to say it it is a more female terrain to want to take tend to relationships i i i hope that's not a gross generalization no i, I mean a little more i mean i think that women are more nurture women are more nurturing than men for the most part it doesn't mean that 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 exclusively but what you're saying is that larry um well we don't, you don't, I don't, it doesn't necessarily mean to be put in terms that Larry's more stalwart in what he's doing. I mean, you attended to the responsibilities that you had, be that as it may. And, and I believe that if, if the roles had been reversed, you guys would still be doing kind of what you're doing, but it's about, it's about, um, following that passion and that, and that, and that's wonderful. And obviously, I mean, it's just obvious that that's what you're doing. There's so many musicians that are following you. You have to be passionate about what you're doing because there's so many difficult parts about it. It has to be what continues to bring you back. Um, when you, when you have family obligations or what have you, I'm sure you feel that you clearly, Teresa, you feel that pull to your family, but you're still doing what you want. And you're in a hotel room in Jacksonville, Florida on your current tour. Um, it's not stopping you from, um, you know, from, attending to what your family needs to do, but, uh, or what you'd need to do for your family. But it's, you know, it's that responsibility, um, together with that, with that passion and making that passion happen. And so that you can be happy and perform and do your, do your whole thing. And, um, and it's just wonderful. It's like, you guys are awesome together and, and separately and, and, you know, what you've done, it's just, it's just amazing. And, uh, you'll be in Chicago on March 18th and you're going to be, and you're concluding this leg of this tour, uh, at the barn, um, in April, I think. April. What is it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. April 22nd, yeah. I think is when it ends. So you got a couple yeah, good months, months, a couple more months of this at least. Yeah. We're looking forward to every show. It's going to be great. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, um, you guys are so wonderful. I, c- I can't wait to see you at the old town school of folk here in Chicago. Oh, great. Yeah. Great. Right at you. Yeah. You're, it's, it's been lovely talking to you. Yeah, really. Well, nice. really it's right back at you. I'm like a leftover hippie, but you, I just love your vibe. <laughs> Thanks so much. I love you guys' vibe too, really. I can't, I, I would love to meet you at the, at the show and, and, uh, and say hi. I can't wait to please, see you. Yeah. Please do. We'll make sure that happens. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Thanks again for being on Roadcase, the two of you. I love you both so much. Uh, so Me much too, luck. And Thanks for doing this. Be safe out there. Oh, you're so welcome. Cheers, you guys. Big hugs. We'll see you again. Thanks. Okay, that was the amazing Larry Campbell 
and Teresa Williams, just an absolutely delightful couple. I was so happy to be able to chat with them. Uh, They are just such wonderful people. Sadly, I wasn't able to make it to their show at the Old Town School of Folk in Chicago last Saturday. I was uh, still at South by Southwest, but uh, I hope to catch up with them soon at some point. Uh, I just love the two of them. Larry is just a crazy amazing guitarist and Teresa is not only an accomplished guitar player but also has just an amazing uh voice and is a incredibly talented vocalist who's like I said at the top has toured with so many amazing names it's just absolutely incredible this is really just a story of life on the road and for this couple uh who had spent so much time on the road uh larry as a guitarist in dylan's band and is the musical director for levon and Teresa touring with so many uh various acts uh just now it's them coming back together and producing music together and they have this amazing new album entitled Live at Levon's, and I cannot uh, recommend enough that you go out and listen to this one, and uh, go go to their website, uh, LarryAndTeresa.com, for more tour information. They've been out on the road in March, and they continue through April, so please go check them out. And if you want to learn more about them, there's a really cool documentary about their lives entitled It Was the Music. It's on Amazon. Uh, Please go check that out. Thanks again for being here for this amazing episode with Larry Campbell and Teresa Williams. I really appreciate your support. So glad you were here. Thanks so much for that. And I want to send a special thank you and big hugs to Larry Campbell and Teresa Williams for being here on this episode of Road Case. Thanks again so much for listening. And I'd like to encourage everyone to get involved with Roadcase. You can do so in a number of different ways. You can email me at info at roadcasepod.com with questions, comments, and even suggestions for guests. Or you can follow us on the socials, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We're at RoadcasePod. And we have a YouTube channel called Roadcase Podcast. And of course, you can subscribe to this podcast on your favorite listening platform. And if you could please rate and review the podcast while you're there, that would be great. So I want to thank Waltzer for this awesome theme music that we have. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in and listening to Roadcase. We have a lot of great episodes coming up, so I'll see you on down the road. <laughs>